0: It's another week of Surviving Creativity, the show all about becoming your own boss, following your dreams, and hopefully surviving the process. Surviving Creativity is made possible by listeners like you. If you like what you hear, please visit our Patreon page and consider becoming a patron. Patreon.com forward slash surviving creativity. This week, stripped documentary extras all about Stefan Pastis, old grudges with the National Cartoonist Society, the Rubin Awards, and a fresh look at the new Billy Ireland Cartoon Art Museum. Strap on your ear goggles and get ready to go. It's a supersized episode of Surviving Creativity.
1: your time a <laughs> record star he thought he'd be he heard of singers like Beatles the chipmunks he'd seen on TV why not a little Spanish flea so <laughs> <could>. <laughs> like a little kid
0: <laughs> oh god. god what what season of the Simpsons was that oh that's how I learned there were lyrics
1: it was Homer was walking down the street singing it the way that, in the same kind of dance where <laughs> Sylvester was singing, Charleston, Charleston <laughs> for North Carolina. Thumb dance, thumb print, I'll say, nothing could be fun the
0: <laughs>
2: Oh, I could just sit here and listen to you to do renditions from animated shows for the rest of the hour. For when the
1: people heard him play, they all be going to shout, ole! Uh-huh. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and I was right. That's from The Dating Game. I'm just looking at this on Wikipedia. And I, I'm like, oh, I know that's from a game show. That was from The Dating
1: <laughs> Game. Lee reminds me, this is a, a skit that I only know about because Chris and his brother Kurt saw it live <laughs> on The Conan Show. And I don't know if it's ever aired again or you can't find it online, but Conan did these skits where um (laughs) they had like this slim good body guy that knew nothing about the body all of his songs (laughs) were dumb (laughs) and all of his friends were body parts that talked about (laughs) how they worked and none of them worked and I think the heart senior heart was like what was this deal (laughs) it was uh uh because he had wings. It was, a, it was like, senior heart, how do you work? And he goes, it's my wings. They help me fly. Oh, yeah. They make you a healthy guy. Olé. <laughs> <laughs> and if you want me to tell you more, <laughs> they help me soar. <laughs> senior. <laughs> because it's like at one point, the brain is like, oh, I'm the brain. <laughs> and he was like a little car. He's like, the song was something to the effect of gasoline helps me run. (laughs) Anyway, I just like, I just like the part where he goes, it's my wings. They help me fly. Oh, yes. (laughs) They make you a healthy guy. Oh, (laughs) <laughs> it says
2: here that the this tune has been sh- featured in four episodes of The Simpsons. The Auto Show, Team Homer, Sunday Cruddy Sunday, and Natural Born Kissers.
1: Well, that's how I knew there were lyrics to it.
2: And in the smell of Reeves and Mortimer, Vic Reeves plays the song through a prosthetic arm. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> oh so let's get right into this <laughs> now that we're uh, five minutes into this uh you post- i'm not gonna cry I'm uh, not gonna no cry. one is no one I'm here is cry. going to make you cry boy oh boy i i remember my grandmother <laughs> <laughs> shut up <laughs> I remember my grand.
1: I remember uh, my grandmother. Can,
2: can I just bring that, since we, since we, since there's been a lot of talk about Web Comics Weekly, I'm just going to take us further down the rat hole. Do you remember that night that we were doing a Web Comics Weekly, and we were talking about how we felt that writing humor was so much more challenging than writing drama? And we, we, we had gotten into a big debate about it and people were taking different sides and everything and we were really heated and all of a sudden you just, you said, oh, wait a minute, wait wait a minute, you guys, I'm, I'm getting an email. And we all stopped and you had this real serious tone in your voice and you said, oh my God, my grandmother died. And we all reacted very genuinely and oh my gosh, Scott, you know, we can stop recording. And, and you go, see how easy it is to do drama. <laughs> Did I do that? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> you, you go, I put all of like 3 minutes of thought into that. You see how easy
1: this is? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm a real I'm a real dickhole.
2: But talking about the old. Yes, yes. I was going to (laughs) say, talking about uh, the old days of webcomics and the old print versus web uh, argument, which you don't even see those words uh, typed anymore print versus web. It's not a thing anymore, but at at one point it was. You're (laughs) welcome.
0: Yeah. No, just kidding. And you
2: said that you were watching the uh, interview, the extra interview that uh, uh, Stripped Backers got of Stefan Pastis. And you said it really kind of brought you to a new way of thinking. You felt like maybe you'd been a, a little bit of a jerk towards the syndicated guys back in the day.
1: Uh, well, real quick, so our, our friend Dave Kellett made a documentary called Stripped. Everyone should watch it. It's on iTunes. And there is, uh, if you follow at Stripped Film on Twitter, uh, what they're doing is they're posting uh, for a nominal fee, you can download the unedited interviews. So it's a documentary where everyone kind of gets their talking head moment through comics. Uh, all the syndicated men and women, all the all the independent web men and women. Uh, but now you can download the full interview. It took two hours of Jeff Smith talking, or Greg Evans from Luann, or uh, there's three hours of us, Brad. Oh man,
2: um, I have not even started watching it yet. I'm um, I'm um, <laughs> I I I. I, I I just want to make sure I've got a whole bunch of time that I can really watch it, you know what I mean, uninterrupted.
1: I, I had to stop. I can't stand watching my. I can't stand listening to myself, let alone watching myself.
0: Yeah, but you don't You like, you like don't listen back to any of these. I uh, hate it.
1: I, I start to listen as soon as I hear myself start talking. I go, shut the fuck up, asshole. <laughs> you have a huge blowhard. But at one point, <laughs> t- Chris is talking about Drabble. Mm-hmm. And he said he was the first guy to put the eyes on both sides. Yeah. And Brad, you go, it's a lot of kids' first introduction to cubism. And I go, <laughs> and everyone goes, oh, yeah, yeah. And I go, all right, let's take it easy. <laughs> We're talking about Drabble. <laughs> and then everyone stops. And I go, uh, who was that, Kevin Fagan? Have you talked to him yet? And David goes, no. And I go, all right. And I s- completely <laughs> just fucking stop it down. <laughs> I was like, I'm out. I can't keep watching this. Like, what a dick. Who was that guy? Who's that fat asshole?
2: I forgot about that. That was a great moment. But you guys just kept yeah,
1: it's and you and Chris like, I never thought about that. And you're like, dude, that's Cubism. And I'm like, Hey, let's take it easy. <laughs> Everybody slow down.
0: But there was no humor in it.
1: I was very upset <laughs> anyway. Uh, oh. So uh, a guy that <laughs> an interview that I really been dying to watch since Kellett told me about it uh, is Stefan Pastis. Stefan draws the syndicated comic strip pearls before swine. And he is a guy that I am constantly just impressed by.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um I, I I don't read his strip every day. I have read it. i I like it a lot. I understand why you know it's popular. Um, but I love listening to Stefan talk. Um, he's he and I are in so many in so many ways on the same page when it comes to comics and how we feel about them and um, his passion for it and his how you can tell. I mean, you don't have to guess because he says it. It's, comics are very important to him. and uh, <clears throat> He's one of the last guys in. Yeah. And um, I feel for the guy. And he's the S- Susan Lucci of the NCS. Um, I can't tell you how many years in a row he's been nominated for Cartoonist of the Year and doesn't win it. Last year? He didn't win it, and everyone else nominated did <laughs> they give it to everybody, but him. yeah, it's like yeah, everybody, God, we everybody tied. We can't decide everyone wins it except Stefan and it's like this is a gag, right at this point, I think Stefan has. Is he's working with them, and it's—he's like,
0: just told them, "Don't ever give it to me." Don't
1: give it to me, and I'll show up every year in the tux and look <laughs> pissed and storm out.
2: It's like a running joke. I think I joke. read some—I—I <sighs> I think I read somewhere that it was five nominations that he's gotten and and not won it.
1: Well, I, what's really funny is I—the night of the Rubens, the day of the Rubens, I said, "Congratulations in advance to." To not Stefan pass this for their Reuben win. And everyone took that as I don't like Stefan or feel he's deserving of a Reuben. And it oh. was, it's the opposite is true. Yeah. It was my way of saying you fuckers are going to stiff him again. And I'm pre-mad about it. <laughs> um, but so one thing you need to know about these interviews, if you download and watch them, most of them were recorded four years ago. And so much has changed in four years. Mm hmm. I mean, it was 2010 when we recorded that. Wow. Um, maybe earlier for Stefan. Um, so, anyway, basically, last night I watched the full two and something hours of Stefan Pastis interview with David, a lot of which is Stefan taking David to task for the speech he gave at the Billy Island Museum. Oh, really? Yeah, um, and David handles it with a plum. Mm-hmm. I think because half because it's you know he was very grateful for Stefan taking the time to do the interview. Um, especially considering that Stefan I don't think really wanted to do it because of what he saw, because Stefan feared that the agenda of the speech would be the agenda of the film.
0: Right, right, right. Um, well, g- give some background on on. David's talk at the Billy Island Cartoon Art Museum.
1: I don't know how much I can speak to it because I wasn't there for it. Um, um, Let me me look it up real quick. It was a a direct response to Bill Watterson's speech on the cheapening of comics. uh, Brad, you watched the speech, didn't you? Yes. It was called The Freeing of Comics. Actually, it's online in five parts. Um... But anyway, basically, Dave talks about, you know, webcomics is the answer to... Like, I don't even want to say that, because I don't know if he did. But um, I know that he talked a lot about webcomics and the failing syndication model. Um, And Stefan felt, and he put very succinctly, that... He was upset that no one challenged David after he gave the speech because in the speech, David makes assumptions about the syndication business mm-hmm. that that Stefan says, based on his experiences and his friend's experiences in the syndication business, are not true. And for David, who is not in the business, to get up there and say, here's how it is, is as insulting as if he went up on stage and someone said – Web comics, are they really making a living? And Stefan said, No, they're not. They're lying.
0: Mm. Which has happened. No, not it's not Stefan, but other people have, have right. done that. He uh, admits that. And I'm not I'm not making <clears throat> e- excuses in either direction. I'm just saying that this does exist. This is this is the big dichotomy, right? Is that this is both sides of the equation. Is these syndicate guys are always who don't know anything <clears throat> about new media and, and comics are always coming forward and saying, Well, I just don't understand. I just want I just want to draw and then a bag of money to drop in front of my feet, and I don't understand how these guys are making a living. And yeah. then the, the opposite is also true where the, the online people are saying, you know, screw these, screw these old boys club jerks in their, in their tower, their syndication tower. You know, the newspapers are dying off every day. There's no way they're making a living at this anymore. And I, I mean, I think both sides are horribly misinformed.
1: Well, and that's basically what Stefan said. And he said there's assholes on both sides, but I was the asshole on our side and his example. Oh, uh, he
2: specifically mentioned you?
1: I had talked to him a week earlier on the phone. Mm-hmm. The, I, the day he interviewed, was interviewed by Dave, the day they recorded that by, uh, a week earlier, I just spoken to him on the phone about the first the online comics, Ruben. Mm-hmm. And we'd had a big, long discussion about all of it. Um, So he kept saying, you know, I love Scott. I talked to him last week, but he felt the fight was really stupid. And the thing about listening to Stefan talk about it is that if Stefan had gotten to me – well, okay. So one of the things that he says is that, look, and there's a little bit of it in the movie. He says that what he did was he won the lottery. And Dave used the metaphor of he got to the NBA. Okay, which is, I think, a better metaphor than winning the lottery or getting struck by lightning.
2: Right, yeah, because winning the lottery is passive. Getting into the NBA is active.
1: Right, so he said he was struck by lightning, and lightning doesn't strike twice. And now that he's been struck by lightning, he should get to enjoy it. It would be like if you won the lottery, but then someone said, by the way, the lottery is a failed system, and we're not going to keep giving you your money. <laughs> right. So um, – <laughs> so, he did it like he broke into comics. It's impossible to get into syndication, but somehow after a lot of work, he did it. And the stadium is now crumbling. Mm -hmm. And the part that isn't in the movie that's in the interview is, you know, he got into, he got into the NBA and now the stadium's crumbling above him and we're web comics are outside in the parking lot playing a pickup game saying, just come out here and play basketball. It's the same fucking thing. Mm Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, fuck you. It's not the same fucking thing. (laughs) And if I was him, I would feel the exact same way. And the other thing he said was when guys get upset about it and start shitting on the syndicates and what we do, a lot of the guys, and he mentioned me, are guys that wanted to be syndicated. So it comes off as sour grapes, where he said the cyanide and Happiness guy, when he says, ah, fuck syndication, he takes them more seriously because that guy never wanted to be syndicated and i can I can understand where he's coming from. I definitely see his position on that i wa- I was speaking to him <laughs> watching it the him on my monitor mm-hmm. and trying to inform him. I don't think he heard me but <laughs> I did want to be syndicated. I absolutely wanted to be syndicated, but I never tried and I don't know I don't know if that makes it. Better or worse. But the thing is that when I finally got to the age where I was good enough to put 25 strips together, Mm -hmm. when I finally was advanced enough in cartooning to put something up, it was time to just put it on the web. Right. And now it certainly was easier to put it on the web than it was to send it to a syndicate and get rejected. But I don't know why I put it on the web. Instead of putting it, I mean, I had 25 strips. Mm -hmm. Why didn't I send it in? I was so excited to put it on the web instead and see what happened. Right. Um, But at the time, there was a a collective of cartoonists, traditional cartoonists, that had portfolio sites that were all in a web circle. And it was called Cartoonists at Large. (laughs) I
2: think I remember that.
1: And they were all talking in this web circle and a forum. Mm Mm-hmm. And it was like Ted Goff and all these gag cartoonists and and uh, Hallbrook and all these guys, all these syndicated guys. And they had they were finally putting up websites, and a lot of the gag cartoonists were using it to sell stuff to magazines. And I thought, oh God, this is this is much easier access to these people than sending it to a syndicate and having it sit on some editor's desk. Right. So if I join this web ring, if I become one of these guys, then here's fifteen to twenty people that are going to say what do you, wow, what do you do? This is good. And then maybe one of them goes to the editor and, and says, take a look at this. <laughs> yeah. Right, so I kind of was trying to submit, to- anyway, the point is. Well, no,
2: and, and I was the same way. That was my whole end game when I put up my GeoCities site was that people were going to see it and then either the syndicate was going to be alerted or when I went to the syndicate, I could point to it and and show that I had, already built a, an audience and a following. Uh, but even it, I was the same way in the early days, my end game was still getting syndicated.
1: Well, a metaphor I'm going to use, the reason why this interview opened my eyes was there was a point in my life where I had a friend that was in a really bad relationship. Everyone knew it mm-hmm. except for this, this friend. Mm-hmm. And I went to my dad and I said, this woman's ruining his life? Like they're going to get, he's going to marry her and buy a house. And he's going to be fucked. And it's wrecking our working relationship. It's working – all of his working relationships, all of his friendships. What do I do? And dad said, nothing. You're his friend. He has no idea. He can't see it right now. But he'll wake up, and he'll break up with her, and then he'll turn to all of you guys and say, God, what a mistake. Why didn't you say anything? <laughs> and I'm like, why is that okay? Why is it okay for for this guy to to just be in this relationship that's destructive? And then he can wake up out of it and we're all supposed to go, oh, well, we, you know, we're glad you're, and he's like, Bill, you're his friend, right? So suck it up and be his friend. And I'm sorry, but that's just the way life is. And then it happened, just like my dad said. And we were all just thrilled. And um, no one was angry. It all just kind of blew away. We were all just so relieved because it was a bad relationship for both of them. Right. And they're both much happier now. So – That is perfect metaphor for the way it should have gone down with comics, but with comics and web comics and print comics. But what made the sour grapes for me was not that I didn't get syndicated. What made the sour grapes for me was when I worked my butt off to get PVP where it was Mm -hmm. that a lot of the syndicated guys, when I showed up, said, hey, guys, I'm a cartoonist, too. They said, no, fuck you. Right. Well, not they. The first guy said, oh, fuck you. The first two guys said, <laughs> you know, go away. Um, yeah, there were people met- that
2: were accepting. You had people, like you mentioned, Bill Holbrook. You had people that were very accepting of what we were doing and, and really excited about it. But uh, the, the, reason, the-, the only
1: reason the situation came up was because a professional cartoonist said, I've seen your work online. You should join the NCS. Mm-hmm. I'm going to sponsor you. You meet all the criteria. Right. And I was like, I can't be in the NCS. He's like, no. You, half your salary is your cartooning, right? I go, all of it is. I'm full-time. He goes, perfect. And you're a professional, and you keep a regular schedule, and you have a sponsor. You meet all the criteria. And then he left and never called me again. And when I called <laughs> him up and I said, hey, what's going on? He's <laughs> like, oh, no, they said we don't want, <laughs> they don't want you. I can't be your friend anymore. Literally, I can't oh, call you and talk to you
0: anymore. Really? I, would, I, I didn't would know argue. that part of the story. I would argue yeah. that part of why that happened and, and part of why it, it continued to happen for a very long time and now is changing is, is the business of it. And it, where the metaphor breaks down is unlike a relationship where all relationships are relationships with various you know, different things, the, uh, particularly back, back at this time, these old guard guys, this was right before the tipping point where papers started to go to hell and everything started moving online you know they're not dumb they saw the writing on the wall as particularly for newspapers and magazines and stuff everyone was starting to shift over to online stuff and you you guys weren't to them you weren't just unprofessional you were threatening you were threatening their livelihood keep in mind that these are these are guys and girls uh, who don't have like 401k's and retirement plans and shit right? right I
1: don't know that I don't want to say that anymore I, mean, well, I don't know that it,
0: yeah, I mean, they may maybe they do. Maybe the NCS has some kind of plan set up or something. But I, well, I, okay, I just me, mean, let, in a, I mean in a traditional sense.
2: Right. In other words, what Corey's saying is that they may have a 401k and a pension, but if they did, it's something they did themselves. It's not like a traditional, and I don't, not, I don't even think we can call it traditional anymore, well, but it's I not have. like they showed up at the factory and part of their uh, compensation was that they got enrolled in a 401k. It didn't come connected with their job.
0: I mean, it may, but that part of the syndicate deal with the newspapers may be that they give them, you know, stock options or something. I I seriously doubt it. I no, think because syndication they, is syndication to their employees. Is, they might, but not to a syndicate. Right. Yeah, syndication is still a work-for-hire scenario in Absolutely. which they're they're buying stuff. So unless these people have set that up for themselves, um, you know, that's I I don't think that's going to be on the table. But to I I think that they saw a lot of this online stuff as very threatening. Uh, in the same way in which, um, no, we they did. I have have you have I shown you guys the old uh, commercials, Scott? I think I've shown you the old commercials when uh, cable television was starting to happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, no, I were, have not seen these. So they were showing these commercials in movie theaters, right? Because like, cable television is a relatively new thing. Right. And people forget this. You know, it was. I I want to say it was the '60s maybe, or the or the '70s, early '70s, and. All television was broadcast. Everyone had an antenna. Uh, all television was broadcast television.
2: Thirteen channels, rabbit ears.
0: Yep. Yeah, it was. That was it, man. So cable television got it started, and the whole idea of cable television was you pay for television, mm-hmm. and it, you know, and it, it was a big deal. People were freaking out. Uh, companies were running, uh, they were running advertisements uh, on on broadcast TV and and before movie theaters, talking about how this was like the end. <laughs> this was it. It was all going downhill from here on out, right? Yeah, and and it just because it was a new, it was a new form of this medium. People were losing their mind. And well, and I, I think that's a similar scenario when when a lot of this online stuff first started happening.
2: And just as an illustration of how you really can't tell what something's going to become, if and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but in the early days of cable television. The concept was also, since you're paying for television up front, you we're not going to have commercials. Was that correct, or am I getting, am I getting my TV I history wrong? I don't
1: remember.
0: I don't remember that I either. I seem
2: to remember there was a, there, a whole non-commercial aspect to cable TV that quickly went out the window. But I mm. could be completely wrong about
0: that.
1: Hmm.
0: I'm trying to find... You know what's
1: the problem is I'm confusing it with... Um... Uh, serious satellite radio (laughs) calling on pay and had commercials on it. It might have.
0: Similar scenario though, right? Where there was was the same there was the same fear when people started moving to satellite radio. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. and I
2: still think at some point uh, that satellite radio is going to start to let more and more commercial messages get into its music programming.
0: Yeah. Well, it's funny because uh, I just found the commercial, by the way, and, and we can post it in the link on the on this episode. But the uh, the reason why it jumped into my head was uh, during this whole net net neutrality thing. After we had done that net neutrality episode, someone shared with me the video, um, one of the old cable anti cable TV videos from the seventies.
1: Yeah, it's like we're gonna lose TV now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, all TV is
0: gonna be controlled by corporations, and it's you know there's there, it's gonna be terrible and. They're going to take over your TV set and ah, it's going to be awful. Um, and it, it's like, this is going to, this net neutrality thing is going to seem as arbitrary t- to future generations as the 1970s campaign against uh, the 1970s campaign against cable television. Well. Um, but I think it's a similar situation with, with.
1: Yeah, we watched, it was at the end of
0: Moneyball too. Like,
1: right, like at the end of Moneyball, that movie, the the Red Sox called in the guy that uh, Brad Pitt's character and said, all right, we want to use your method here. We want to get the Red Sox to the world series. And, uh, and he's like, really? Like everything I'm going through. And he's like, oh yeah, everyone will be in 10 years. Everyone will be doing baseball this way. Mm -hmm. And he's like, look, the, the first guy through the door with a new idea always gets the shit kicked out of him, you know? Yeah. And that sucks for you, but, that's you know you should come work for us we're offering you we're going to offer you this amazing job don't worry about that you know the first guy with the new idea through the door gets the shit kicked out of him by the dinosaurs and i'm i'm just just so sick of that metaphor because stefan Passis is not a dinosaur and mark detali is not a dinosaur and and patrick mcdonald is not a dinosaur you know when roth that cartoonist roth sits up at the ncs annual meeting and goes, I hate Cintiqs. The people using Cintiqs should pay higher premiums. (laughs) You know, that's not everyone in the NCS. And the thing is, like, if the first person I met in the NCS was past this, Mm -hmm. I don't, I wouldn't have had the reaction I had. And the dumb thing is, the reason why I'm upset is because when, Fuck it. When Jimmy Johnson, the creator of Arlo and Janice, mm-hmm. said, I'm going to get you in the NCS. I'm going to sponsor you. Mm. And then never called me back. This is the, one of the first syndicated cartoons I used to have regular phone calls with. Mm-hmm. When I finally called him and said, hey, uh, I don't hear from you anymore. And he's like, oh, yeah, Rick Stramowski told me we don't want you in here. You're, I don't know what you did, but you are not well liked up at the NCS. And they're never going to let you in. And I was told essentially not to associate with you because you're not a professional. And I went, well, that's it. The NCS, I'm going to burn them to the ground. I'm just going to destroy them. If I can't join, I will kill them all. <laughs> and <laughs> every, for every Bill Amond, every reasonable, talented, nice guy that came up to me and said, that's not all of us. right? I would say, that's great. I'm going to kill all of you. Right. <laughs> like, it st- I would not let it go. Yeah. And uh, I don't know why. I don't know what the fuck my problem was. But so the pro- the thing is, and I was telling Corey this last night, when I graduated high school, it was 1989. And my first year of college was 90, 90, 90. Yeah, 89, 90, right? Mm-hmm. Um, And I dicked around in art education because I was going to be a teacher and then in the summers I was going to try to get syndicated. (laughs) Um, But then I realized that the advertising art degree was going to teach me commercial art tools and had no math requirement. (laughs) And the math was kicking my ass. So I switched to ad art and all of our professors were ad art executives who came up in the 80s. And they were older guys who got to teach because their degree that they earned and allowed them to be professors was being the top ad guys in Dallas for 30 years. Yeah. So we, the 18, 19-year-olds that were going to school, saw the first Adobe Illustrator come out, saw Photoshop about to come out, and thought, oh, my God, this is it. And that first computer lab popped up and right around 91, 92, and all of those ad art executives called us in a room and said, computers will never be used for typography, computers <laughs> will never be used for advertising work or digital graphic design, the The computer department's a joke, this Adobe Illustrator thing is dumb, anyone you caught using fonts or a computer for their work is going to get penalized with their grade, and we all just sat there going, "Why we are fucked? Like we just got unlucky." Yeah. Because, because let's say that we get our degree and and get our ad art degree. We're gonna have our job for about five years, and then everything's gonna flip over, and we're gonna be instant dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. We're not gonna know how to do any of this stuff. So I dropped out. I dropped out to go get a job at a sign company because I could learn it on the job, and it never occurred to me. I was going to teach myself illustrator anyway, so just get the degree. You know, I don't know if it's my fault, you know, the fault of 20-year-old me, 18-year-old me, or not that I wasn't forward-thinking enough to go, this is your chance to get the, uh, to learn how they did it the old way, and then you'll have both. You know, or if it was the right thing to drop out and learn it on my own. But what feels, the thing that feels like what I did with the syndicated old guard, new guard transition was um, everyone was going to come to the same table eventually because the change was going to happen eventually. And I certainly have never not believed that. So the change is going to happen. And why not just ride the wave? And if people are upset, people are upset. Just try to be a nice guy and do the best work you can so that when everyone does come to the table, you can sit there. Mm -hmm. Because now everyone's at the table and I don't feel welcome. And that's on me. That's on me. I made myself unwelcome at that table.
0: i got I have a question for you though, and and this is partially to play devil's advocate and partially because I'm sort of a weird history buff, and I like stuff like this. <laughs> Sorry, not not to make you part of my head canon, but what uh, <laughs> would the people that are currently welcome at the table at n c s be welcome to the table if you hadn't spent quite literally almost ten years butting heads with these guys?
1: in my head canon fan fiction absolutely not i'm the fucking hero of this story and you're welcome
0: <laughs> but I, I i mean it's worth mentioning though right that cuz you're not the only one i guarantee you there's other webcomic cartoonists that are that that are only just now you know welcome at the ncs table and that have also gone out of their way to make a lot of noise about these ncs guys and, and you know in this old guard there, there there are a lot of people out there that made a lot of noise and maybe were uh you know not on great terms with these dudes
2: no I'll back that up I, I, I head
0: candidate no I will guarantee
2: you that if it hadn't been for people like Scott and 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 Scott certainly wasn't the only one but he was one of the most uh prominent voices Scott without you doing that there's still they would still be dragging their feet uh, to have an on hyphen line uh, divisional award, uh, let alone two for the NCS. I, just, I don't
1: know. I disagree. I,
2: I, I, I think you're blatantly well, wrong.
0: Because the other way around could be that these guys like, you know, Amend and Pastis and these dudes that do both the, the online and offline stuff and that understand both you know, both aspects of it, um, have have in a way changed changed the organization if... from the inside. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and there was two
2: schools of thought. There was there was uh, cuz I remember having this discussion. Uh it, it was sh- do we go in and change it from the inside or do we say listen, this isn't for us and just do our own thing and let it wilt and die. And uh, speaking only for myself, I was the the second route was much more fitting for me. I didn't see the 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 purpose, the reason and uh, I, I let my NCS membership lapse and, and walked away. Uh, there's been people, and, and, and Dave Kellett's a good example, who was more one of the try-to-change-it-from-the-inside uh, people, which is probably why he no, gave... No,
1: Dave doesn't want to try to change it from the inside. Well... Somer doesn't want to try to change it from the inside. I'm sorry. Listen, and they're my friends, mm-hmm. and I'm hypocritical right now in saying this, and I love them. But they do not want to change it from the inside. They don't give two shits about the future of the NCS. They want to be there for the same reasons that I want to be there. Is because they grew up respecting these people and they want them to be. They want to be liked by them. And now they get to walk in and say, "Don't listen to Scotty's an asshole. I'm the nice one." And <laughs> they get to say, suck everyone's dick. No, I'm sorry. Listen, I'm telling you, I-, I would be right there doing it too. It has. They. No one wants to change. You know who wants to change the NCS from the inside? Mike Cope. Okay, Mike Cope is a is a. Um, no, you know what? I I,
2: I I think I think it's completely backwards. Uh, I think no. he fits into that category that you were just talking about. And and and, and I can't speak for Somer, but I no, I,
1: because look, Somer's not starting a Montreal chapter of the NCS and <laughs> t- going to Iraq and donating time. He's not going to do any of that. David, Kellett had a very good ulterior motive, but his ulterior motive was he wanted to make Stripped. So, um, you know, and you can listen to the Pastis interview because he doesn't stand... When Pastus says, oh, usual what what do you have to... What business do you have talking about syndication? Dave didn't go, well, you guys, I'm right, so go F yourself. He's like, well, yeah, I never thought about that way, and my mistake was not saying that some of you are doing okay. Mm-hmm. So, uh, look... <laughs> I have not met one cartoonist from our peer group who cares about the NCS who has not attended a Reuben weekend with high hopes and walked away going, I did not, (laughs) this is not for us. And it's always the same phrase independent of each other. This isn't for us. This is not for us. Yeah. And it's not, it's not an, it's not a negative thing. It's not saying, like, fuck these old guys or um, they were mean to me or it's just like this is not for us. It's just not – we just don't fit here. It
2: doesn't fit our lives, yeah.
1: It just does not fit. And so um, it's. I'm telling you right now, there's no way that David and Ryan Somer and all these guys that are NCS members and Robert Howard and all – not Robert Howard. What, uh, Howard Taylor. Robert Howard's my friend, <laughs> that, uh, my <laughs> personal friend that none of you know. <laughs> Howard Taylor, all these web cartoonists that are NCS members that are paying the hundred and fifty dollar, whatever a month, <sighs> a year, due, and putting the NCS logo on their website, that's, I'm, I, I'm sorry, and you, you know, I'll take the licks for saying it, but it's, it's a bunch of, ball cradling, and I'm right there with them, except that I made this bed for myself, but, none of them give a shit about the future of the NCS. Except that maybe if they're in it, when the thing collapses, they can be in charge of it, but even then they won't give a shit because and Corey said it last night, if we wanted a club, we could make a club easier than fucking fighting the old men out of the NCS mm-hmm. and the club would have a better website and have more of an online outreach and be able <laughs> to, you know what I mean like they' yeah. run by a bunch of
0: online people
1: <laughs> yeah there's there's no reason there's it would be like um it would be like if the creators of Twitter decided well we could start twitter let's just let's just go get jobs at newspapers and work our way to the top and then turn the old gray lady into something new it doesn't make any sense so um when in in that interview when pasta says we need young guys we need you guys in the ncs i'm the youngest guy there it's just never gonna happen yeah well i mean it will you know kellett and somer and and Howard, they'll all and well, I mean, whatever, they'll what, all take it over. And, and then here's,
0: here's my question: It's like, what's the benefit? Because I understand that that guilds, uh, you know, the I prestige. Well, I mean, now they're pushing the prestige, but it, it, what other outside of that? I mean, I I was a member of Corey it doesn't of it,
1: it's well three the different. To that I was is, a member of
0: three different unions. My wife is a member of of two different <laughs> guilds, but like at the time when we were members of those there was a reason it was like there was networking involved there were jobs coming from it there was and now it's like what is the ncs actually providing that like what Corey, do they provide the question their... you need
1: to ask yourself is what do you bring to the ncs uh, no that's <laughs> there <you> ridiculous go. <laughs> that's no Corey, <laughs> that's absurd. i'm sorry that you find that ridiculous but that is the answer that every single person from jeff keen to uh, Tom Richmond, uh, yes. to Mike Cope starting a regional chapter <laughs> says when we ask that question. Yes,
2: that's absolutely When right. we
1: say uh, that you have hundreds of members all paying $350 a year, no, $300 just to go to the Rubens, plus $150 for their dues, and what do you do with it? I and mean, what does the NCS give back? Right. The answer is, that the, the question you should ask is, what are you bringing into the NCS? Yeah. Like, if the NCS is going to have something to offer, you need to bring something in to make it, you know, you know what I mean? Like start offering something.
2: Right. It's like, it's, it, it, and, and again, this is a organization that has a $150 dues every uh, year. Plus, if you want to go to the Rubens, uh, that's just the beginning of the checks that you're going to be writing. And uh, it, it, it's like walking into a restaurant and you sit down and you pay the two drink minimum and you pay the cover charge and you, and, and then you, the waiter stops, and you say, "Well, I'd like something to eat." And the waiter says, "Well, what did you bring?"
1: Well, look, okay, so now we're going way off to the opposite direction <laughs> that I wanted to go. I'm, this is not where I wanted to go with this. What what you well, okay, we'll trash, the, we'll trash, trash the say is, you feel bad later. about
0: it from the beginning. You feel bad about fighting him from the beginning, and now we're just, we now we're just grousing no. again. But
1: th- look, I there's not look there's not. There's a lot of people in the NCS that feel the same way about the NCS. Right. It's it's that's fine. It's not germane to what I'm the point I'm trying to make. The point I'm trying to make, and what Stefan said in the extended interview that you should absolutely pay to watch, is it would be like it's like if we all got together and said, "Hey, we're all cartoonists. Let's all sit down at the same table together." And and everyone said, yeah, you're a cartoonist. I'm a cartoonist. All right, let's all sit down at the same table together. And then you stand up and say, okay, all the old people on this side of the table, fuck them. They're dead. <laughs> and I would respond that there's some guy on the other side standing up and going, these fucking young kids aren't real cartoonists, so don't pay attention to them. And that is the disconnect. And so what made me upset yesterday was not – what made me upset yesterday was it made me realize, listening to past this, Stefan be very reasonable and state his case as well as he did and be as passionate as he was, was that I wasn't one of the people saying, guys, we're all the same. I was one of the guys that said, no, fuck you. They're all dead. Come join us. And And that is where – that is what I regret. It was just being part of the noise. And yeah, um, you know, cause Dave asks, you know, he said, you know, every time Scott Kurtz opens his mouth and starts spouting off shit about the syndicate, it hurts you guys. And we have our assholes too. And then Dave's like, well, who are your assholes? He goes, oh, every time Rick Stramoski says, let me see your W2. Mm-hmm. That doesn't help. That's, that's our problem. And it's like, yeah, I was part of the problem and it doesn't matter in the history. It doesn't lost in history is whose fault it was that that started? Because at any point I could have stopped and just, and I did at some point. But like, I don't know if Stefan even likes me. I would love to sit, I could sit and talk to Stefan about the process, listening to him talk about writing and his thoughts on buying gags and his thoughts on the reruns, everything he talked about in the interview. I so desperately just want to call him one day and just talk to him for hours about it. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't know if I can.
2: Oh, well, okay. So here's one, how much of that do you think is real and how much do you think of that is baggage? And I'm going to give you an example for For example, I was just talking to Corey this morning about worrying about something Mm -hmm. and worrying about it and worrying about it. And then the thing finally came to pass and I realized that everything that I was worried about, I had built up in my head, and wasn't important to anyone else, or to a very small number of people. Um, uh, how much? I, how much do you think that he wouldn't be? Uh, it, it, well, I mean, frankly, if we invited him to come on the on the show, and we're going and,
1: to, I mean, I'm going to, I'm gonna invite. I want to invite him, and I want to invite. Uh, who's the guy that draws Leo? Mark Tattulli. Yeah, yeah. He's one of the younger guys, and I, I mean. I'm telling you, both of you today should make a point to watch that interview. Mm-hmm. Maybe you'll not like him, but God, everything he had to say was so great. His thoughts on reruns and his thoughts about whether his son's gonna get to take over his comic strip.
0: Mm. Oh, that's got, interesting, yeah.
1: You gotta watch it. It's I mean, I don't wanna spoil it because I don't if we were just talking on Skype, I would tell you. Right. But I I want the audience to pay for it. It's worth it. It's I mean, to me, it's not that I didn't like the documentary because I did, mm. but these interviews are so much. <laughs> mm. Like I just, <laughs> I, but I'm a process junkie. Yeah, it's you're a process junkie though. Yeah, we we got to go see Carol Burnett. She spoke live at the Paramount Theater. And we went and saw her, uh-huh. and it was straight Q and A. She just sits down and takes questions, like at the beginning of the show. And I had a question, and my question was, "Tell us about how you wanted to be a cartoonist," because mm. she did. She wanted to be a cartoonist, and then she decided she was going to be a writer, and then she acted on stage once and got a laugh, and she was gone. And we are I think we're much better off that we have that Carol Burnett than cartoonist Carol Burnett. But I wanted to know all about her comic strip. Like, how far did you get? Was there a comic strip? Like, you know, like... Yeah, yeah. I was going to... My goal was to bore the whole audience. It was like, (laughs) I don't give a shit about Tim Conway. Or like, did you guys really make each other laugh? I just want to know all about her comic strip. And, uh... Uh, someone beat me to it. Someone asked, you know, how, when did you decide you wanted to be in comedy? And she said when she got her first laugh on stage. And then she said, at first I wanted to be a cartoonist. And I had a comic strip about a family. And I had a bunch of comic strips written out. And she talked a little bit about it. And I was like, mm. I mean, I was beaming Yeah. for the rest of the show. like. Carol Burnett wanted to be a cartoonist. Like, now <laughs> I'm a little bit more... Like, it's important to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, I get that. I totally and, and get that. listening to Pastis talk about what hurts him, like, it hurts him that the comics page... Oh, God, I, can't, I don't want to... Rev- I just It sucks that I can't just start dissecting it with you guys, but um, the reason why it hurts me so much is all I've wanted from the beginning is to be a part of this peer group. There's so few of us mm-hmm. that get to do it. And there's so few of us that live this weird life. And it's dumb that we don't all band together to support each other. Yeah. And um, it's so unfortunate that it was 24-year-old me <laughs> that encountered this problem initially. Because I think 43 year old me would have handled it with such a plumb. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I can back that up because just this morning there was a situation where I was I was amazed that I wasn't speaking to the 24 year old Scott Kurtz <laughs> <laughs> well... <laughs> <laughs> And here I was all in the mood to start a whole thing and, and talk to the 24
1: year old and and you were all
2: sage and mountaintop and criminy
1: uh you can thank Corey for that Corey is cory uh you're what you're what you're missing was the year and a half that 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 Corey kept saying how many lights and i'm like there are four lights he's like no there's not there's five lights <laughs> lights. So I'm a I'm a good boy now.
0: What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> what lights are you talking about? What, what uh, awful metaphor is that? Awful metaphors are my job. It's not an awful metaphor. It's a great metaphor.
1: It's Star Trek, and you guys are fucking posers. Oh. oh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know what you're talking about now.
1: You're the Cardassian breaking me.
0: Oh, right, right, always. right.
1: <laughs> Although I didn't nobly... Say there was four lights and leave. I'm on board now. You're talking how about many, how uh, many lights do I need? What is it? The chain
0: of command episode or whatever. Yeah. 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 Uh, uh, anyway, how that's so funny. Well, and first of all, it was two and a half years ago. So <laughs> has
2: it been that long already? It's
0: been a long time. Yeah. Holy. Since what? Cat. Since I started working for you. Yeah,
1: I think I think that I've learned so much since then. I've learned so much about just doing business what I thought about business the way that the way that we
0: it's a different thing I mean art I uh, I think business is an art and I think art is an art and I think the art of business is is its own skill set in in and unto itself mm-hmm. um you know it's interesting uh uh this kind of ties into Brad, remember earlier this week I shared with you those, uh, those videos from Delve? Yes. We'll link to those as well. I mean, they're called Delve Essays, I believe. Uh, but there's this site called Delve TV, and, and it's just like video essays on a variety of things. And they did a couple of video essays uh, called The Long Game. And it's these it's these two like five minute video essays about mostly about uh, Leonardo da Vinci mm-hmm. and how he wasn't successful pretty much until the end of his life. I mean he was he was like an out of work failure until his forties ish.
2: Yeah, and and again this was during a time when people tended to drop off around that time in their life. I mean he was he was near the end of his life when he started to get recognition.
1: He talks about that. Pastors talks about this whole thing.
2: Yeah. And it's something that we don't... It, the, the, the upshot, and you should watch these Delve videos because, number one, they're very, very well produced. Uh, they, it, the, the time will go by like nothing. But the, the point that it makes, and, and it uses a Craig Ferguson quote to make this point, but it ma- makes the point that we've become so centered in the youth culture. We, we, we put so much emphasis on youth, that by the time you're 20, it's almost an expectation that you're going to be fully formed and successful and your life is going to be flying. And the fact of the matter is that it, it takes much, much longer than that to get really, really, really good at something. Uh, unless you're a child prodigy or something like that, you've got the Mozarts and, and so forth. But, uh, but it takes a long time, and what happens is people get to their 20s and sometimes their 30s, and it's midnight and they're not famous yet, and they walk away.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, it's an interesting—definitely got to check it out. The, the Ferguson quote uh, is about—it's part, part of a monologue, an opening monologue he did, and he's making, he's making humor, but it, mm-hmm. it was very relevant. Uh, is all about advertising in the 60s when, you know, if you've been watching Mad Men, you've probably, everyone now is aware of advertising in the 60s, which I think is hysterical. But uh, (laughs) these guys figured out at some point that selling stuff, they they used to, advertising used to be primarily focused on the, you know, the breadwinners in the family, the people who had the money. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until somebody in the 60s in advertising said, you know what, if we start selling to the youth, then when these, kids can afford this stuff will i mean it's the whole the whole cradle to grave mentality came out of the advertising in the 60s nobody had advertised to to youth before right. they just hadn't done it uh, but the the downs and they you know they weren't doing anything fair, they were trying to sell product but the downside is that you know 30 40 years later now if you hit 30 and you haven't done some huge accomplishment everyone right. Everyone is like, oh, it's over, it's over. Because they've had this marketing thrown at them for so long. You know, we we like revel in these youth stars and this kind of stuff. It, important to note that a lot of the youth stars are are made by people well over 30. Yeah. Who, <laughs> whose job it is to invent well, these. Well, and look at
1: um uh Dick Brown. Uh he didn't start Hagar till he was fifty.
0: Yeah, man. J.K. Rowling didn't write a book until she was 36, 37.
1: Mm-hmm. And that's ancient. Well, and and, and again, well,
2: it isn't uh, that, not it ancient. Isn't that I'm they just, saying, just started like, yeah. doing those things at that age. They had no, been working no. and working and working and working on things that didn't quite make it, didn't quite make it, didn't quite make it, until finally that's the thing that, that took off. It took a whole lifetime of work to make them an overnight success.
0: Well, and they, he brings up a lot of people in this essay. He talks about um, Faraday. Uh, he talks about Ulysses Grant, he talks about Nikola Tesla, he talks about Harrison mm-hmm. Ford. I mean, these are all people who didn't didn't make it until their mid-30s or early 40s. And it wasn't because they weren't doing it. It wasn't like one day they just woke up and ah I'm a success. They spent, you know, 15, 20 years doing things. Yeah. Uh, but it always it always brings it back to uh, Da Vinci uh, because he had a really interesting life, and it wasn't until very late in his life that he did anything that anybody considered successful, even a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I, and I think especially with the world of of the interwebs and how how quickly things happen now and how fast things change, there's this expectation, and I see it with young cartoonists a lot. That it's like, well, <laughs> I put out my first thing. Why isn't it successful? I see it with old cartoonists a lot. <laughs> I, I I I see it when I look in the freaking mirror a lot. <laughs> I, it's funny. I I, I tend see it to with use this the,
2: particular old cartoonist.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I tend to use the word young maybe inappropriately when I say young cartoonist. <laughs> I'm I'm usually not talking about age. I'm talking about how long someone has been doing something. Mm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I usually when I say young cartoonist, I just mean somebody who's who is just kind of now starting to do what they do. And I've I've been in in a fortunate position to have watched a lot of cartoonists spend five six seven eight years working on a craft and i've watched them sort of become known and i've watched them become amazing cartoonists like i Mm -hmm. i've been in this kind of weird uh (laughs) what is the character called the watcher i've been in this weird situation (laughs) where i've been able to just to be like to be sort of on, on the outskirts involved with a lot of you know both amazing and famous people Mm-hmm. i've been able to sort of watch it happen and, and it's an, it's sometimes infuriating to me for people to to come into the field and be like you know i made my first book give me money on kickstarter or the one that always gets me is give me money so that i can do this fill in the blank i just want to like ah mm-hmm. just well just hey, go draw you have you have 10 years of drawing ahead of you before take a look anybody o- gives a shit
2: Take a look at what happened when we wrote the How to Make Web Comics book. A phenomenon started that we we could oh actually God.
0: chart that we
2: called the, the nine-month itch. Uh, because, and it happened right at the nine-month point where we would start to get angry emails from people saying, I followed everything you said in the book, and it's been nine months, and I haven't quit my day job yet. Yeah, Nine, and it was always nine months, you know, or they wouldn't say nine months, but we'd go back and look at their comic and sure enough, they'd started nine months ago. You know, it was, it, it's, 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 it, it's, a really amazing phenomenon that, that people really, it, it, I call it the montage effect because all of, all the people like Scott in my age, uh, we had grew up through the eighties where the, the metaphor for practicing and getting better at something was all happened in a three to five minute music montage. Where the karate kid would, you know, wax on and wax off and, and the music was playing in the background. And by the time the music winded down, he was an expert karate guy. And that's what we all expect of our own lives, is that you just, uh, our you just montage to, you should have been wrapped up by now.
0: You just expect to pick up that that, you know, pen, and then all of a sudden in the background it's you're the best. <laughs> Nothing's ever gonna keep you down. And then all of a sudden you're a cartoonist. It's like yeah. by the time the song ends, that oh. would
1: be terrible. That'd be terrible. The journey's been really great. Uh, I'm, absolutely. I'm looking forward I'm looking forward to more of it. I mean every time every time I draw something and it feels good when you finish and then you come back and it you're not happy with it, that just uh, it's a bittersweet moment because it means good things are happening and if, good things you know, have I mean, happened. I've known artists that That uh, very few, but I've known a couple that just you can see they look at their stuff from a year ago and they go still got it, you know. (laughs) 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 Gold never stops
0: shining. Um, I I always uh, thought it was weird when somebody's art hasn't changed at all over time. Yeah, let me tell you, that always bugged me me, because it's like it's like they're imitating themselves from many years ago. Like, how can your art not change over time? Go,
1: you want to see something really weird? because one of the comic sites just linked to it, Sluggy Freelance mm-hmm. is still going.
2: Mm-hmm. I, I knew you were going there, too.
1: Sluggy Freelance is still going, and it's a fucking time capsule. It's the website. It's the art. Nothing has changed. It's 1997 forever at sluggyfreelance.net.
2: Particularly I, that website. It is just absolutely...
1: But it it's it's to a point where it's so so stuck in time that it is impossible not to infer intent.
0: Uh, interesting. It's impossible not to infer intent. Like they're doing it on purpose. I'll tell you what though, if you go to sluggyfreelance.net, it actually redirects to a Amazon page where you can buy all the books. Uh Oh, did he he finally
1: get sluggyfreelance.com?
0: Just sluggy.com. It looks like,
1: Oh, that's right. It was always sluggy.com.
0: Sorry. Uh, man yeah look at this it is I mean, exactly the same Pete mm-hmm. abrams 1997 and then look at the most recent and it is very little has changed
1: no i know i mean even scott adams changed that's yeah. got
0: to be that's got to be intent i'm with you that's there has to be it's got to be the the intention of the artist is to to stick with
1: Look at Chris Crosby, man. Superosity is still going, and that's another and that's, website. That's
2: another one that if you go to that website, it is absolutely the same.
1: That's I, I guarantee you that's intent because Chris knows, like Chris is not, Chris is not ignorant to. Well, let's make the we gotta make web pages bigger now because the other <laughs> stuff he does.
2: Right, right, like uh, sore thumbs and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, his newer stuff isn't that way. He's just it's just like. He's just keeping it. He's just keeping it trapped in amber. Yeah. Keeping it real. Well, well and
2: keeping it, keep, <laughs> keeping it where it feels comfortable.
1: So I, anyway, just to just to come back around because I gotta get to work. But oh. just to come back around, the thing uh, that I just I've got so much regret. No, <laughs> um, I I. uh one of the things that happened last night was I started tweeting about it, which is what I guess brought it to your attention, mm-hmm. but um, I, I think, let me see if I can find it, the tweet I made was, um, that you were talking uh, back did, to the did, screen
2: did. and you were, you, here we go, you, go ahead.
1: I said, oh shit guys, you got to download the Stefan Passis interview. Uh, but I said, um, something like it, just watching it, it makes me realize what a, just a total dickhole. You know, I've been towards syndicated guys in the past. So um Mark Tatulli comes on and says, How do you mean? Okay. And I said, I just handed my handled myself poorly when I was in my 20s and 30s. I had no business being such a tool about things. And then I said, Um, now that everyone's kind of come to break bread together, I feel left out again because of my own actions. And then his response was. You were at the Boston Rubens with Dave Kellett, why didn't you return? Mm. So and this is the thing that I'm talking about. And maybe it's just that these guys don't know another way. Because the one thing they do every year when they see their buddies is the Rubens. Like yeah. they don't they don't go to cons every year. Right. But if again, it's like it everything in their life has a gatekeeper. Like even their friendships have a gatekeeper. Like like, I just feel like I'm not friends with these cartoonists. And they're like, well, why do not you come to the Rubens this year? Well, I don't know. <laughs> if, because I'm not a member of the NCS and it's a lot of money and I travel a lot. So it's hard to make, uh, throw in another trip, you know, Yeah, for fun in the middle of all the other trips I'm doing for work. Um, but the answer was not. Well, shit, man, get on Skype. Right. You know, right. The answer is, well, you didn't come to the Rubens this year. (laughs) I noticed that you weren't at the Rubens. And it's like, I don't want to, like, it's like, well, sorry, you don't have the, we're not talking to you because I don't see a pin on your lapel (laughs) that tells me. I know that's not what he's saying, but it's, that's what I'm saying is the, the feeling,
2: right, right, and that's and that's where uh, his head is at. Is that the first place he goes to is the Rubens, where it's the first place you go to is Skype.
1: Well, right, like I mean, I said, yeah, I feel like everyone's kind of coming to the table now, and I'm left out. And it, his response could be anything. It could be like, well, you fucked up, you know, right. and that's fair. Or, um, well, you know, now you know after, it's going to be hard for a lot of people to like you after some of the things you said, Scott. You know, mm-hmm. and I and I'm like, hey, listen, I wrote the book on holding grudges, absolutely. But if his response is, "We well, absolutely, you're welcome to the table," you know, it should be, "Ah, give me a call. Let's talk on Skype, or I'd love to see you." When are you gonna be? You know, but the but I thought it was so telling that it was like I noticed you weren't at the Rubens this year. How come you didn't come to the Rubens? And maybe just because it's a safe place to meet for them, I don't know. But. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, that's what has to happen? <laughs> I've got to run to I, ducks to talk to I've you? I've got to – right. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know, man. And, and, and um, again, back to the passes interview, he says he's that they've got so much to learn from us. And I I honestly do believe we have a lot to learn from them Um, in the same way that any apprentice has tons to learn from a master. Right but um if i guess that it just might be the way it is like if they got to get on skype it's not going to happen and if i got to run a tux it's not going to happen <laughs> but i just don't understand it no and i, I don't know, get it like i, I <sighs> yeah ah damn i don't know why it's so important to me <laughs> I tell, but there's no way I can't – there's no way for me to watch that interview where he's talking about – not about me or this situation. We're just talking about cartooning where mm-hmm. it's not like, God, I just – um, like I'm clicking my heels together and saying there's no place like home so I can find a way to transport myself <laughs> to that living room so I can be a part of that conversation. I want to be a part of it. I need to be a part of that conversation. Yeah. I'm, I'm – I would like to officially announce that I'm stalking Stephen
0: <laughs> You want to try and add him into the call? You want to try and call him? No. Well, let's call him.
1: No, 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 no. Come
0: no, on, no. let's call him. Give me no, his No, no,
1: no, 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 no.
0: Give me his number. let we're not I'll just add him in right now.
1: No. No.
0: Hold on, I think I got his number. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know You know what?
2: It would it, it it would be fun i've got I've got another hour till I gotta go anywhere. I'm and I didn't saying. bring my damn stylus with me, so I can't draw today anyway.
0: You just give me his number and we can just add him to the call.
1: I don't
0: have it. I don't believe you <laughs> <I'm>,
1: <laughs> I am not I'm really not lying to you. <laughs> I swear to God I am not lying to you.
0: Eh we'll get it from Kellett. We'll have them both on. We'll, I can
1: get it from John Glenn. We'll let him You it out. You want me to text Glenn? You know what? That's who we should have on th- the I show. I was just
2: going to say that. He is a uh, John is a great guy and he'd be a great guest for the uh, for the creativity podcast particularly.
1: That's who should be on the show.
2: Yeah. Well, they should both be on, but uh, you know, separately because th- those are two very different conversations.
1: <laughs> I will tell you about the time that John Glenn called me and said, did you leave a weird email, voicemail <gasps> on my... <laughs> <laughs> did he really? Yeah, he's like... <laughs> and had you? No, he's like, is this you? And I'm like, I would not do that to you. He's uh, like, here's the voicemail. Hold on, he sent me the voicemail. Oh, Let me see if I can Do you have it. it? I don't, hold on, I don't... <laughs> this thing is great. <laughs> so, I don't know why John thought I sent this to him. But you got to hear oh, this. Oh, God. I- I'm going to find a way to audio hijack pro it in. But this thing. <laughs> 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 the fact that – so John Glenn is the vice oh, – not anymore. He's the president of acquisitions uh, at Universal Press Syndicate. Mm-hmm. And he's the nicest, nicest man on the planet. Wonderful guy.
2: And he's uh, also a really good guy to talk to. Uh, you can tell he, he, he's a great editor because he's done a couple of guest posts for webcomics.com on the subject of writing humor, and the guy is just solid.
1: (laughs) Don't try not to laugh. Mute your mics while I play this. Okay, hold on. I don't want feedback. Yes, sir. I was trying to get a hold of John Glenn, the cartoon editor, and by golly, they switched me to you. I'm calling from Texas, and I am a gifted cartoonist, and I had sent Mr. Glenn a sample of my cartoon work in March of 2010, and I haven't heard anything, and I was kind of wondering about it because really the kind of cartoons I do is to teach people about the things that are going on in this country today, kind of like Doonesbury, but I do my own cartoon work. If you can get back with me, I've got a trip I've got to make to the Metroplex today because I run a small business on the side. 903 (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> oh, I want to see his cartoon strip in the worst way now. <laughs> for, and
1: so, so John's like, did you send me this work now? Like, Dude, I do not know what you're talking about. And then I, I wish I had sent it. Oh, uh, my
2: God. Yeah, it, not only does he expect uh, John Can to call I him back, to- but call back within the next time frame because I'm a busy man and I've got to go to the Metroplex because I'm a small business owner. Yeah, the Metroplex.
1: Owner. The Metroplex is... Um, so Texas is so spread out that <laughs> Dallas and Fort Worth are about an hour and two hours apart. Mm-hmm. So they call the Dallas-Fort Worth area, the whole fucking thing is known as the Metroplex.
2: Oh, really? I thought it was like a yeah. mall.
1: No, the Metroplex is... He must live out in somewhere outside of Dallas-Fort Worth because he's driving to – so if I were to say i got to go to downtown Seattle, mm-hmm. right? I'm talking about a small area. Right. It would be like if I said I was driving from Oregon to go to the Seattle area, which encompasses <laughs> all of Seattle all the way up to Everett. You know, the, everything around the lake is known as the lake town place.
2: Yeah. Wow. Okay, I'm adding
1: Steve to the
2: call. Wow. I am a gifted cartoonist.
1: I'm a gifted cartoonist, and Mr. Glenn has not returned my calls. Hammaker. We've uh, added to the show is uh, our good friend Steve Hammaker. Hi. Uh, creator <laughs> of Blocks. Blocks. That blocks-comic.com. That's right. And uh, also the colors um, of the table titans, www.tabletitans.com. Steve Tell yes. us about your favorite flavor of Hot Pocket. Um, <laughs> no, um we've been talking about um Stefan Pastis, mm. his unedited interview f- that Kellett provided for Stripped and Ooh, yeah, my, I haven't seen that yet. Oh, Is it good? Yeah.
3: Should I should I uh, pause and then go and- No, no, yeah. no, no, no. It's two and a half hours
1: worth of yes. So I'll check that out. Um but anyway, we we're discussing um how universally everyone I know that has gone to a Ruben weekend from our peer group.
2: Hold on. Let me, let me just jump in real quick before, cause it was this your first Rubens, Steve?
1: No, last
3: year was my first. Oh, okay.
2: Okay. Go I, I'm sorry for the interruption. I wanted to see if, if he, if, without you uh, giving him the phrase, whether he was going to use that same phrase, cause that was going to be kind of interesting, but well, go ahead.
1: he, he gave it to me. So what was your impression of the NCS? Like um, you used a very specific phrase when you texted me, and it's a phrase yeah. I see from everyone in my beer group.
3: Yeah, um, yeah. I I don't feel I don't really feel like I fit in there uh, yet. Um, but I actually had um, kind of a moment of clarity during the uh, NCS um, sort of bo- uh, board meet, not board meeting, but you know their sort of State of the Union address where they kind of you know talk about. What they're going to do in the future, in the you know coming year, what they've done in the past, and um, I realized that I I do, I really shouldn't judge that organization until I've sort of given it the college try and and maybe tried to actually contribute. Um, so that's what I'm probably gonna tr- tr- I'm probably gonna do that, uh, and I don't know what that means yet. I've kind of um, sent out some you know emails to some people to kind of say, Hey, if you need anything, let me know, you know, just sort of make myself available. Because I I feel like there's, there's two attitudes. There's, you know, the attitude of, uh, you know, what's the NCS going to do for me. And then there's also the attitude of, like I just said, you know, maybe you should, you know, before you send it down the river, maybe you should give, give it a try and actually, you know, participate. Uh, right instead of instead of you know the attitude of, well, I'm here, <laughs> well, <laughs> well, well, what's the big hubbub about? yeah, now, now the the issue comes the complication for me you know, and comes in when you look at the you know the, f- the financial side of things. it's not cheap to be in the NCS. It's whatever one hundred and fifty dollars or so a year if you want to go to the Rubens, it's even more. It can be upwards of even a thousand dollars a year if if you you know pay your dues and go to the uh, go to the Rubens every year. So how many cartoonists, not just web web cartoonists, but how many cartoonists can actually afford to do that? for something that you know for us, and i'm I'm saying us as as web-based cartoonists, you know we we can uh, we can use other means, cheaper means to Network and to um, stay in touch, which used to be kind of the primary, primary role. I think for the, for things like the NCS, you know, it's like, hey, show up once a year, take a break from your, you know, your work and go, you know, hobnob with your peers, right? And that's mm-hmm. that's important and that's great. Um, and obviously, back in the day, you know, in the in the golden years, <laughs> like, you know, you got guys like Charles Schultz and Mort Walker, you know, all hanging out you know, in a hotel for a weekend, it's, that's pretty cool. So I think that's what people kind of think of when they think of the NCS, Um, you know, like, Oh, I'm going to get to, you know, rub shoulders with these guys. And it's like, that's an aspect to it. That is important. Even, even now it is cool. You know, I was at the Rubens, I got to sit with Jeff Keen and his family. That was great. That was really cool. You know? And
1: did uh, you now, now my question to you is, because i've had that moment too right like we went to the rubens brad you missed this one right it was just chris dave and i that's correct but we we went to the rubens and the the days were very odd yeah like just no one there that you know everyone kind of looking sideways at you sure and then the ruben award happened and everyone was very very excited and and drinky, right? Everyone's drinking. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And then there was an after party in Jeff Keene's hotel room, and mm. everyone loved everyone. I mean, yeah. I, I would say the only thing that I could even claim was kind of hinky was um, Jerry Scott pulled me aside and said, "Tell me everything about how to do web comics. I'm, I want to do this." I'm like, "All right." <laughs> step one, he's like, "Stop right there. I'm not doing that." So, um, <laughs> and I was like, "Fair enough. I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to start." and do it either if I were you yeah. so I don't yeah. blame you sure. but um i mean like we were having such a good time that they the hotel came and broke up the party cuz there are other guests at the hotel that <laughs> didn't want to hear sure. us all being rowdy cartoonists in Jeff Keen's suite sure mm-hmm. but um but there is that sense that during the day like we just, I just don't belong here yeah
3: and, and I, I i don't think that's um i don't know like I say, I, I I felt better this year. I actually kind of did more. I, I hobnobbed and, you know, kind of tried to network and get around and, and not network, but, you know, just actually talk to people. And um, like the one afternoon, I think it was Sunday afternoon, Jenny and I, my wife, Jenny Rob, who's the curator of the Billy Ireland, in case nobody knows. So she and I get to go to these kinds of things together. So that's really cool. So she's working and as she likes to call it, development, which just means – be friendly and hang out and talk to people and maybe get them to donate their art to the, uh, museum, <laughs> that kind of thing. So it's kind of nice. Cause we can, you know, we, we have people that we know, uh, in common and we can hang out with them and stuff. And, um, Brian Walker, who's more Walker's son, who's, uh, I think he's writing high and lowest. He's that's his primary, uh, thing right now. And, uh, he's a really cool guy. And we, um, Tom Gamble, who's another cartoonist and he was the Rubens, uh, MC, we decided on Sunday to go to a baseball game because it's right in the Omni is right next to the stadium, Petco, Petco park, I think.
1: Right. And, uh,
3: you know, it's just like four of us and we're just, you know, hanging out at a baseball game. Like that has nothing to do with cartoons, <laughs> you know? So that was really cool. Like, you know, I think those kinds of opportunities are, you know, are fun. Just the general socializing with with people and not having to make it all about like who am I meeting. You know, what does this mean for my career? Help. You know, like <laughs> just you know if you if you can be in that. But the problem is, like I said from before, if you're spending the you know we're we're kind of able to mitigate some of the cost because Jenny, you know, can t- can go for work and you know, it's, there are other things at play that make it easier for us to go together. Whereas if I was on my own, I would never go to the Rubens. I just wouldn't. And now because I think it's a waste of time, it's just because it's so expensive. And it's the same reason why now that I'm like freelanced and not working for, you know, a comic book publisher, I'm not going to go to Comic-Con because it's too expensive. Um, And it's not really, you know, there's no make or break relationships uh made <laughs> or broken at comic-con anymore Mm-mm. i mean you can you can talk to people you know in, in other ways you can you can f- track them down on emails and stuff so um i don't know yeah, but i'm, also- I'm very, i am very conflicted right now you actually caught me in a in a like if you had talked to me on saturday about this exact thing i would have i would have been railing about it i would have said you know the ncs is a bunch of old guys that don't want to be you know they don't want to have anything to do with us you know we should just Start our own thing, blah blah blah. <laughs> you know, and now I'm like, ah, eh, I don't know. I, I see, I just see both sides of it, and well,
0: and it's I it's I, I want
3: I actually want to talk to a lot of those a lot of the guys in charge to see what their what their what their thoughts are because everybody you talk to is like very, you know, pro, like how we get more web comics people in here, how we get more, you know, how do we get just younger, you know, cartoonists in here, I web web throw... cartoons or not, just younger
1: people. So I should they're just,
3: they're the ones saying it, not me. So I don't
1: know. I should just throw a fucking summit. Sure. <laughs> How awesome would that be? It yeah, would be. The sky every time something. I
3: brought you, and and I'm not trying to inflate your ego because I know it doesn't need it doesn't need that. Uh, but every <laughs> <laughs> everybody I uh, you know everybody I mentioned, like what are you doing? You know, what are you working on? And that type of thing. Every time I mentioned your name, because I'm coloring for you right now, so it's appropriate to, to do that, they all were like, oh, my God, is he here? Is he here? You know, "Oh, can, you, can, I, can I talk to him? Can I talk to him? Give me his email address. Yeah, it was like there was a know, lot of people a perfect, that were just
1: like. The uh, the beginning of this podcast was me talking about how watching the interview with Pastis, and, mm. and in fairness, yeah. it was recorded 10 years ago, or 10 years ago, in 2010, four years ago. Sure. Is that everyone seems to be coming to the table together now. And yes. I feel like all the railing I did against the NCS in my younger years now excludes me from the table. Now that everyone's finally getting together. Oh. Bread. Mm-hmm. So to hear you say that you were at the NCS and you're like, oh, yeah, I'm calling Table types now. And they're like, oh, Kurt's here. I want to talk to him yes. is uh, the perfect capper to this podcast because I thought no. the opposite was happening. I don't think
3: so. And again, it's not like I took a poll and I got you know got everybody's opinions. Well, why
2: but didn't you? <laughs> well, I was
3: I was writing it up and I was coming up with the code. You know, I had a website all figured out. Pie
1: charts are hard.
3: I had pie charts.
1: Steve, Don't you know that when you go to the I NCF, it's all do about me. Love Kurtz was <laughs> the pie chart. Could you please show me on this Venn diagram where you are? <laughs>
3: uh, yeah, I hope things are changing. Um, and if not for, you know, adding members to the NCS, I think, you know, uh, just kind of bridging that, that gap that, you know, hey, it's not an us versus them situation. It's, a, the, world, <laughs> it's the world and technology versus cartoonists, as it's always been. So
1: yeah, and it and it also is a um, each camp has so much to teach each other situation. Yes,
3: absolutely, mm-hmm. because those guys, you know, it's not the the things that they've been through and you know the process that they've gone through to get their comics published is is not. It's not their worry is that you know that the web cartoonist attitude is that that's useless now and you know like that's useless information. It's like no, it's not. I mean, if anything. <laughs> they would have an easier time being web cartoonists because they don't have to jump through so many hoops. So I would think they'd be relieved at the
2: well, prospect hold on, of hold on. You know, publishing things. On Explain the web. what you mean by that. I mean, it, it, speak on that samori. They would have a, an easier time on the web because they don't have to jump through hoops. Which well, hoops are we talking about? To,
3: well, to become a syndicated cartoonist is very daunting to mm-hmm. to, to say it, to understate it. Um, and I just think you know these guys have been working. A lot of these guys have been. You know, look at a guy like Stefan Pastis. Like, he he's one of the you know the, the the most recent success stories. And you know it's like like he said in the documentary, it's like winning the lottery. You know you, it's a it's so hard and takes so much effort.
1: Well, he even uh, said in the in the extended interview, you hear him say that that back when we were younger, there were three networks. Right? There's NBC, ABC cbs and pbs right Mm -hmm. and there was like there was like cable tv there was the movies there was the networks there was yeah there was like five places you could be famous and if you were on it you were famous everyone knew you so if if something was on saturday night live people knew about it but what's happening now is there's a show called he said ice road truckers that he's never watched and if the guy from Ice Road Trucker is in a restaurant and you know him, you lose your fucking mind. But mm. no one else in the cafe knows who he is. Right. right. So there's these different pockets of fame. That's the day in the age now. And so, for these guys that got in before, like Jim Davis and Charles, I mean, come on, yeah. Peanuts was on the moon. You know what I mean? Like the, the mm. they were adopted. Peanuts was adopted by the astronauts. So, mm-hmm. um. That, those days are gone, which is sad. But, yeah. I mean, my argument is that isn't this way better? Because, like, that's only great for the five people that get to have that. Right, sure, uh, right. But, um, the, but the problem is where I go, well, fuck that. You know, that's dumb. This way is better, so fuck you guys. And it just completely <laughs> <All> dismisses <right. laughs> a whole group of my peers that I have been – desperately trying to win approval and respect from right and i think that's where 20 year old 24 year old me missed the boat and 43 year old me wants to go back and kick 24 year old me's asshole (laughs) in because like slow down like up to this point god chris used to criticize me on this all the time and he's so right you i'm right to a point but then i push past it like, <laughs> right. like I go, right. I, it's not enough that I'm like, this is wrong. And everyone goes, Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I go, this is wrong, and I'm going to kill every motherfucker in this room now. Right.
3: And then and we're then, all uh,
1: gonna burn. Uh-huh. We're all gonna burn. And like they're like, isn't that ridiculous? And I'm just dumping gasoline over everyone in myself. <laughs> nope. Nope. We're all gonna burn. <laughs> <laughs> right. I don't do that anymore. <laughs> I'm yeah, I've given neat. that up. But uh yeah, cause the, the coolest thing that Steve told me from his NCS weekend, Oh no, all those selfies, that was so cool that you did that. <laughs> that, was that was another. Awesome. That was
3: part of what I'm talking about. Like, I kind of had this moment of, like, it was a moment of clarity where I realized, like, well, first of all, I'm in a room fil- filled with cartoonists, many of which I adore. And secondly, it was like, I'm going to assert myself here. I'm going to just go have fun, you know? Like, why not? Um, Which is kind of, it's funny because I equate, my NCS, my situation right now in the NCS, uh, with my career as a high school student. And it was the exact same thing. It was like, I can either, you know, just be on my own and probably get picked on by, you know, some of the tougher kids, or I can like actually just stake my claim, you know, like just be, you know, what I want to be and just see if it goes. And that's what I did. This, this weekend, it was like, I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to try. I'm going to try to be cool to people and see what happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and guess what happened? I was, you know, fairly popular in high school and uh, I had a really fun weekend, you know, because people responded to that. And it was it was cool. It was a positive experience. So,
1: yeah. Um, um, the other thing yeah. was what that you said that you talked to Brian Bassett.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was on the last night. Yeah. And he was one of the guys that was like, "Oh my God, Scott, is he in Seattle? Oh, I want to meet up with him." I'm like, "Sweet, do it." Yeah, that because that- he was definitely like, "Why isn't he here? Like, he should be here." And I was, yeah, was I? yeah, I agree. I and I, you know, I told him because you you had been there a couple of years before, and I said, "Yeah, he's he's been here before." And um, you know, there was just kind of a you know a kind of a weird attitude about web cartoonists and him in particular, you know, him specifically because he. You know, I told them a story about how you had tried to get in and you were actually <laughs> rejected, like, <laughs> mm-hmm. which is uh, uh, about as, um, you know, harsh as you can go in the, um, you know, ostr- ostracizing of someone is just actually say, no, you're not allowed in our club, which that is not mm-hmm. the case anymore, obviously. But no, not that all. was only what, probably 10 years ago. That wasn't that long ago, it eight was, years ago.
1: It was 2003. Oh, God, really? That long ago?
3: That long ago. Holy <laughs> mother. <long> ago. Jeez. <laughs> no old
2: I,
1: was, I was three years into doing it full time. Okay. I, was, I was having regular conversations with Arlo and Janice creator Jimmy Johnson, not to be mm. confused with Dallas Cowboys Super Bowl coach Jimmy Johnson. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Gotcha. And he's like, you need to be in the NCS. We need you. We need fresh blood like you. And, and I'm going to sponsor you. And then he never called me again. We used to talk once a week. And then I, I finally called him like, Hey, we don't talk anymore. And he's like, Yeah, I talked to Rick Stromowski. And he said, We I shouldn't talk to you.
3: <sighs> oh. That is now did such... you have did you ha- had you had a run-in with Rick before that?
1: Maybe. Um, what had happened was there was a private forum called the Weisenheimer.
2: <laughs>
1: and uh, there were a lot of syndicated cartoonists in there. And Wiley Miller was like, These web cart-, I'm like, hey guys, I'm a cartoonist and I do the web and blah blah blah. And Wiley Miller was like, This is the worst. You're giving your stuff away for free and and um, and uh, you're 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 devaluing everything that we do and you're you know, there's no editor looking at your stuff and and I was like, Oh, I'm going to kill every one of you motherfuckers and I'm going to burn all of you on the ground. And so when Wiley Rick's... Miller, he
3: just won the, the Reuben. So that's... And
1: then, right. And then when Rick Stromoski stepped up and was like, no, I agree with Wiley. You're full of shit. And I'm like, what do you draw? Soup to nuts? Sit down. Ooh. like literally that's what i said like soup oh. to nuts more like soup to boring sit your ass down you're all of you guys okay. suck you're going out to pasture and i will burn you all <laughs> now i a- now i know why you uh so that. Unfortunately, in my- <laughs> oh, but- <laughs> that's a that's a a that's a, uh-huh.
0: <laughs> that's a-
1: Self-deprecating so summation of what happened. There was a much larger fight about uh, yeah. what do you draw? Soup to nuts.
2: <laughs> so <laughs> somebody get me Ernie Bushmiller.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, the thing that me was a nail in, in the coffin was after a year of them saying no, oh. I stood on a panel at the webcomics, the very first webcomics panel at San Diego Comic Con. Uh-oh. And said I have an announcement to make. (laughs) No, no. Uh, Any newspaper who wants PvP can have it for free. Just all you got to do is email me and I will give you. I have four years worth of strips. I give you a year in advance. No one, no newspaper's seen it yet, and you can have it all for free. All you got to do is put my URL and keep my URL in it. And everyone has a URL in their comic gutters now. So as long as my URL's on it, you can run it for free. Any newspaper is welcome to have it for free. (laughs) (laughs) and everyone in the room that was syndicated went no
0: really
1: (laughs) rc harvey stopped me with his reached out with his uh, i thought i was being attacked by a lich (laughs) (laughs) he reached out like we're either the most smart man in comics or the the stupidest man in comics oh my god and i that is exactly
3: rc harvey that's that's exactly the kind of thing he would say
1: yeah he's you're either gonna set the world on fire or destroy us all and uh and then he and then he just uh, played a mouth harp and and, and just, seriously for for
3: know. a guy who claims to be like an art historian he sure is not paying attention to the present
1: <laughs> the present
3: day the history as it's being unfolded.
1: I think I like the cut of your jib, but I'm not sure. <laughs> mouth harp. <laughs> Swinging a mouth harp. And then um, I started getting emails from editors who knew me and were fans. It was like, look, I work at uh, the newspaper, I'm the ombudsman, or I'm the janitor, or I, <laughs> I line copy it. Like the Brad Geiger's at newspapers, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Like, hey, I I know who to talk to. I'm going to go talk to them. And then I had like maybe 10 people approach me, and Um, it was a huge clusterfuck. Like, hi, I'm with the Kansas City Post-Intelligencer, and I hear that you want to give this comic strip away for free. I'm like, yep, whatever you need. You can have it. He goes, well, would you mind if I ran it on my technology page? Because I think a lot of tech-savvy readers would really like this. I'm like, absolutely. Yeah, whatever. All right can you just send us your technology g- gags? <gasps> um, sure, no problem. All right. So then I'm like, oh, God, okay. So I'm going through my archives finding any technology joke and putting them all aside and finding the high res. And then, so, thank you so much. Hey, listen, in this comic strip right here, um, you say, God, I'm hungry. Yeah? Can you have them say, man, I'm hungry? We can't really put God, I'm hungry. In the- <laughs> Okay, no problem. And multiply that by just 10. Yeah. And it was it, it was untenable. Yeah. Is that the word untenable? Intenable? Absolutely. Is the red word? <sighs> uh, yeah. I mean, it was like, hey, can we have all of your relationship comics? There was one newspaper that said pick a date and start there and just send us everything. And it was a paper in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. And the oh. guy ran it. He ran it every day with my URL. Oh, and then the other thing was. It would show up in the paper, and I would get emails from people going, oh, my God, PVP's in my paper. I can't believe it. Oh, my God. Here's a picture. No URL. <laughs> oh, oh, really? Yeah, and I would say, why didn't the you un- – The one thing you asked for. Yeah, and they're like, well, the problem is if we put your URL in it and a reader goes to your website and sees the strip where said, God, they'll, go there. Man, yeah. they'll get mad at us. So oh, we can think so. And I'm like, well, that's the only – Oh, geez. that's the reckless that I gave you. You have to put the URL in there like, oh, OK, we'll run it. And then they never did. Jeez. <sighs> uh, it was. And then, of course, it's like, well, that failed, didn't it? R.C. <laughs> <laughs> <Stupid. laughs> cue, cue the mouth harp again.
3: <laughs> so He'll just, he can edit himself Steve, in. Yeah, you, you,
2: you think you would go back? you think next year because well, I think next year it's over on the east coast here yeah so it's in washington d c so would you, would you go back
3: well i I probably will like i say, I kind of have to because i'm you know because uh, you're Gen- Jenny Rob's husband, so I've got that going for me um oh. which uh, you know is is kind of my is right now is what you know is my what my role is there, so mm-hmm. uh, you know breaking out of that will Will come eventually, but you know, for right now. So yeah, I don't know. I, do You want to go, Brad? Do you want? I would go? love it if you. Yeah, if we got, if we could get
2: uh, the. Only reason I would go is if you guys would go. I, 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 in fact, no, I don't honestly know that I would pay that much money to go. If you guys, if you guys came all the way out for it, I would well, meet tell you at what. the hotel. And yeah. when you guys went on NCS stuff, I would wave. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, Brad, we can probably we could probably
3: work something out. And
1: yeah, we can. I'll I mean, I don't want to make it.
3: any promises, but we could probably. Because they do that every year. They actually invite people. I think they did that with you and Chris, didn't they, Scott? The year that you guys came?
1: I didn't have to pay to go, no. Right. Uh, But I think we should talk to Tom about doing a talk.
3: Yeah, I think if you talk to Tom about doing a talk, he would absolutely take you
1: up on it. Yeah, because I want to submit Table Titans for the Rubens for uh, 2015.
3: Yeah. Well, I want to the
1: best long-form on-dash-line comic. (laughs) 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 On-dash-line yeah. Um, let's all go. Is it a drive for you,
2: Brad? Oh, it's an easy drive. It's a couple hours straight down 95. So if if we decided anything? we wanted to go, I would, I would go, uh, and it would be easy to do.
1: Do we cool. know when it is next year?
2: It's always the same weekend. It's um, Memorial Day weekend.
1: Oh, Memorial Day weekend in Washington, D.C. It should be nice and
3: sweaty.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's going to be... <laughs> Wow, I hadn't even thought of that.
3: Uh, That's well, was a, it? We of, I mean,
0: idea. it was
2: oh. in the 70s around here this weekend, or this past weekend. Uh, of course, hell, I was in Columbus, Ohio for Memorial Day weekend, so I can't I really talk. Oh, but, we, uh, should we
3: talk about that?
2: <laughs> I Well, here, here's the thing I was going to start talking about the Kelvin and Hobbes uh, mm-hmm. Richard Thompson uh, exhibit down at the Billy Ireland. That's museum. it. Tell us about got, that. Well, I got a chance to go see that uh, this this past weekend, Memorial Day. My birthday my birthday was in May, but my birthday present was that my wife surprised me with this trip. She says on Memorial Day weekend, we're going to take the kids down. We're going to make it our you know Memorial Day trip. We're going to go to Columbus, Ohio, and and see the uh, Calvin and Hobbes exhibit. And it was really, really it, well. First of all, after having, it was kind of tough to explain to everybody like on the playground of my kid's school and stuff, uh, where you'd you'd have the usual small talk. Oh, where are you going for Memorial Day weekend? And I kept trying to explain that it was actually a good idea to go to Columbus, Ohio for Memorial Day. Uh, it, the the exhibit itself was. Amazing. I mean, if you think, starting at his watercolors, which is one of the sparklingest pieces of the entire exhibit, uh, if you think his watercolors are good in print, when you see them in real life uh, and saw his process, speaking of being a process junkie, he would do the water, he would do the inks uh, on a sheet of transparent film. And then he'd lay the film, I would imagine, on a light board, put watercolor paper on top of that, and then do the watercolor, and then pair the two to get right. his final pro- his final piece of art right. and that's nuts. The art is spectacular. I mean the his not, not only he, he's very good uh, with a watercolor brush, but also his choices and his use of colors was just mind-boggling. You just sit there and, and, and watch all these choices happen across the image and, 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 and realize that this guy is playing at a completely different level than, (laughs) than you and me. Uh, and then, and then just the narrative of the, uh, of the exhibit, uh, the, the, it starts out, you make a hard left and you're at, uh, his inspirations, people Mm -hmm. that that inspired him along his way, and it, and it starts, of course, with a with a large peanuts original. Uh, it goes right into who's right next to peanut? It, crazy cats. I'm skipping somebody. It goes peanuts. Somebody crazy cat.
1: Pogo. Oh
2: yeah, Pogo. Pogo. Yeah, it was yeah. a real. Bril- In fact, I tweeted some of them, but it's a really great Pogo Saturday or Sunday strip mm-hmm. where Pogo and the alligator are talking about what it takes to be a cartoonist. And the, the the two the two panels I love the best. He says, "Don't worry if you can't write a joke; you just swipe them from your pals. And if you don't know how to how to draw good, you just have to lo- learn to draw guns and girls, and you're going to be okay." And just goes on from there, you know. But it's it's very very well done, uh, and and also spectacular inks to look at. And then it goes to Flash Gordon. Yeah which was an interesting, uh, thing that I, but uh, although you look at the Calvin and Hobbes Sundays and, and obviously, you know, the guy read a lot of Flash Gordon, but yeah, it was Flash Gordon and, uh, and the, the part that made my day, I got it. And I wish there was more, uh, up in the museum, get, get, get Jenny on this. Uh, Mm. there was one Bloom County and yeah. I was, yeah. I was very much looking forward to seeing an original Bloom County and that, that made my trip for me. That was, yeah. that was worth the price of admission and, uh, and a Doonesbury, of course. Yeah. So you go in with that. And then you start and they, you know, they, they've got a lot of these Calvin and Hobbes originals grouped by theme. And it says, you know, so he talked about the changing seasons. So here's a bunch of spring strips. Here's a bunch of summer strips. And he talked about the meaning of life. And they, they had all of these wonderful, wonderful examples of this penultimate uh, comic strip, for example, where Calvin has the, the, uh, the water, you know, the, the flower uh, water pot. Man, there's a word for that, but it's not coming to me. And he's 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 taunting these flowers, saying I've got complete control. I could water you if I wanted to, but I choose not to. Your entire destiny's in my hands. And then it just starts raining, <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's just this this quiet panel, fourth panel, just just doused with rain. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's stuff like that, and you go through and 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 just marvel at all of these because you we've all read calvin and hobbes but then to see a whole bunch of them that just deals with philosophy of life and see a whole bunch of them that just deals with you know something simple like you know the relationship between uh parents and children Mm -hmm. it was marvelous and and i and and i'm gonna i'm gonna filibuster just for uh one more minute then i'm gonna throw it over to you guys because i gotta jump up and and pick my kids up from school but the other thing I want to say, because I always feel so guilty for it, you go over to the Richard Thompson exhibit, mm-hmm. and you, I, I always have the same exact feeling when I'm looking at his stuff. The first thing I do is, I, 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 it, 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 it's not revulsion, but it's, it's this immediate tendency for me being who I am to look at it and say, it's so messy. <laughs> it's so scratchy and messy, and he he there there were you know he drew her head and then drew her nose and there's a line that cuts off her nose, and he's just all you gotta do is either plan better or wipe that out. <laughs> this is what goes on in my head, and that little line the for the nose is making me nuts and 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 it and, and I got I hang with it and I read uh, I start reading strips and I'm looking at it and and I'm taking it in and by the fifth strip I realize I'm never going to be that good. <laughs> yep, I, no, he's, he's like, he is, he is oh oh a genius because God. of that. Like I, I, I go in saying this is horrible and in five strips <laughs> in I'm like I'm never going to be this good. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it, it, and know. and and as much as his cul-de-sac work is great uh take some extra time and read the poor uh richard uh, the poor richard's almanac or richard's poor yeah. almanac read the richard's poor almanac stuff he did for atlantic monthly uh i for my money that's his that was his best work i i really love that stuff but
1: i don't but, want to talk about richard i'll start crying
2: Ah uh, well, I don't want to make you that. It would be horrible for someone to make you start crying on purpose. Jerk. <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> let's let's add uh, this bit of Bobby creativity. <laughs> Thanks for listening. here's the here's the the melodic stylings of Hollow Notes. <laughs> oh no, we got to end this one with uh, Herb Albert. Oh, there was a little Spanish play. A record star, he thought he'd be. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: alright guys I'm jumping out well, I want to make,
1: was... make you laugh okay. you heard of singers like Beatles the chipmunks you'd seen on TV why not a little Spanish fleet so he there <laughs> 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 it is I 100.
2: tried so hard to <laughs> uh,
1: you're, an easy, you're an easy mark oh, my god yeah you ain't a kid
0: Thank you so much for joining us this week. If you like what you heard, please head on over to patreon.com forward slash surviving creativity and consider becoming a patron. Starting next week, you should be able to download all of the surviving creativity episodes to your favorite listening device via iTunes. Stay tuned to the surviving creativity Patreon page for more information. Hang in there, keep your chin up, and we'll see you next week for another episode of surviving creativity.